Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Sean Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Today we are joined by global artist Stephanie Batten-Bland of Company SBB. Child of a jazz composer, producer father, and writer mother, and raised in Soho, Stephanie was clearly destined for a future in the arts. She situates her work at an intersection of dance theater, film, and installation with a focus on interrogation of contemporary and historical culture. This November 1st through 5th, Stephanie's embarked Stories of Soil takes the stage at BAM. This new dance theater work is an excavation of self and country created in textiles, skin tones, labor, land, humor, and moving bodies. Stephanie talks with us about how she got her start in the arts, founding company SBB, her creative process, and the impetus for Embarked. Tickets for Embarked are available at bam.org or click the link in the description of this episode. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so excited to chat with you and get to know you a little bit better. You're in the dressing room. And so (laughs) we feel that energy of performing and dancing. So tell us a little bit about how you first got started um, in the arts and dance. Ah, um, <laughs> Take it all the way back. Um, well, my, really, my parents. Uh, mm-hmm. My parents, uh, my father was a composer and was already, I think, the first of the fusion type folks, right, with a, a, atonal classical music and mm-hmm. the contemporary music side. And then inside of his jazz lineage, of which he was a ranger, writer, um, oh. musician, um, then very deeply rooted in jazz. So I think from from that side is definitely already thinking about looking at different ways of making, even though it might've been in one genre. And mm-hmm. then in, um, and then my mother is a writer and also a hybrider. Now that I think about it, as I'm describing her, she mm-hmm. is a science writer, but would, would and does look at how we actually live as people through the lens of science. So mm-hmm. as opposed to that, you know, humanizing animals it's not that it's more looking Mm -hmm. at 
um, patterns that we see inside of biology in, um, and in, in environmental spaces and then noticing how human beings are, are behaving as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so indeed that kind of created this group of children that uh, clearly were, you know, destined to be makers in a way as well. And, right. um, and I went to the physical arts. Right. Yeah. I, I'm wondering, so how did that, how did your early exposure to art and music, um, how did it become more dance driven, dance oriented? Um, did you, did you have any musical training um, from your father's end or did it, was you, you just always, yeah, you move? know, my parents were really keen to make sure that I was not obliged to do what they did. Mm. They did, they were very much not the show parent in that, not, you know, they didn't want that, um, second gen obligation mm -hmm. um so we were very much we very much were encouraged to do whatever we wanted so for me then that was uh tap dancing when i was little and then that went into really theater and in, 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 in wanting more theater in my life a mm. short stint inside of joffrey's ballet school as a young person mm. and then who knew that that would set up how how that would come back years later um mm -hmm. but then totally into music and um i went into like classical guitar and mm. then got really politically active just got really punk just went mm -hmm. i mean completely punk and was um <laughs> just like a Susie and the banshees and um, <laughs> uh you know went into my own direction and but there was something physical that was always full of pleasure and mm -hmm. a place that I could always depend on. And um, at some point I, I went back to that. Mm -hmm. I went back to this place that brought so much pleasure. And then also realizing not only was it pleasurable, but it also was having this intersection of impact mm -hmm. and it was able to offer perhaps pleasure, but story and feeling and sensation all rooted inside of that. Right. And, and again, yeah, they really were more so supportive and then really more so setting me up for the what that full life really was going to look like. Right. So how do you make that life happen? Mm -hmm. How do you do that um, and and have a, a full base for making your living so that you're you're able to do what you want to do, which is your passion? Right. right. And well, so really already... they made it normal, right? They just normalized an art life. Yeah. It was just right. normal because it's the only thing I grew up with. Right. Uh, you already touched on so many interesting like paths I want to go down here. Like, I mean, bringing up, um, you know, that sort of um, not really a, a contrast, but the um, that that movement not only provides you a, a, a place of joy and pleasure, but that you felt like like the it being impact oriented too. So tell me a little bit about like what that means to you and how, how did that um, turn into you feeling like you needed to create movement and create dances and, and oh, what wow. that, that journey was. I think you? so much of that is accidental. I mm -hmm. think, I think it was very clear that, that I was feeling impact as an audience member, as a young person. And I saw and had the, you know, the, the chance and the opportunity to, um, cry in performances, cry at music, laugh at music, laugh at theater, scream uh, and wish I could run out and leave. I hated things so much, right? I was really allowed to go through all of those emotions that I think um, great art 
does mm-hmm. and and then understanding that 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 I can also also have those same feelings inside of it as a performer and mm-hmm. learning it um as well as then recognizing seeing those same visuals on the faces of audience member how reciprocal mm-hmm. the cycle is right. right um and sometimes even based on what the audience member is feeling that might affect me as a performer mm-hmm. um which then sends itself down its own other cycle path and that really got me going in terms of okay i knew this was the life choice i'd say and it's funny that you're speaking to me right now at bam because mm-hmm. it's it's like this culmination and this apex of all of these years of work coming together. Mm-hmm. So Emily just walked by who I've been working with for 20 years mm-hmm. from Swiss companies to our own work together. Um, it's just this moment of all of it coming together, which is just so beautiful. Um, but it was quite accidental in how it began. Mm-hmm. And it was just really as simply as, you know, I'm a kid of the eighties. So most of my friends of this age group that grew up in Eastern Europe were um, trained pre and post wall. Mm-hmm. So access to choreography classes, improvisation and theory and things that we might take for granted in more Western states and um, countries uh, were not at, at access to them. Though what was developing at the same time in their spaces was this physical theater and this absolute attack uh, in mm-hmm. in in expressive expression um mm-hmm. but what ended up happening is just basically a great girlfriend saying you know i'm not making it past a certain point in auditions when we get to improvisation would you help me mm-hmm. with some improv uh, techniques approaches mm-hmm. methods whatever word we're using today yeah, for the next yeah. months, right and <laughs> um you know and then um And I said, yeah, absolutely. And so a bunch of us got together and we started just, I just started kind of facilitating a class. And then Mm -hmm. that sort of just turned in, it turned into a piece. I can't explain it. Um, At some point I got much more sassier than the others. And I just started (laughs) directing the whole damn thing. Uh And and then that little piece that we had, we, we took around and it won, you know, in Europe, we have many more um, at that time, there were many more um, contests and competitions Mm -hmm inside of festivals for up and comers right. which would have a you know a small remuneration amount but it would really uh, open you up to presenters mm-hmm. and so we won some lovely awards which gave it then a longer life tag right and then that mm-hmm. that tag moved us around and and then um really i think the big thing that happened was um we took one of those pieces to the you know back in new york we would come to joyce soho Mm-hmm. That was um, a smaller shoot off from the big Joyce and, and then went to symphony space with something. And um, all of this was still me performing in other companies, really enjoying myself. And then I got this job at the Paris Opera in the comique, in the comique house for the Josephine Baker musical. And I had auditioned for Josephine and I ended up being the head choreographer was I, and, and still performing in it, but it, it brought up this, enormous team of performers and of genres inside of dance that mm-hmm. um, I wasn't even an expert at, right? So then it brought on delegation and a whole slew of sub, you know, of, of other choreographers within the choreographic team um, and an enormous cast and crew and um, defending and researching this extraordinary woman. Um, and one night the director of the opera house he he would always kind of tease me with how I would warm up 
And because um, <laughs> I was doing a lot of rolling around on the floor. And um, and he said, okay, so, you know, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I call it contemporary. He said, you know, I wonder if that couldn't be a show, all of this that you're doing. What ah. What is that? And mm-hmm. I said, um, yeah, I mean, what, what would that look like? You know, and since in the, since in that, at, at that time, in that space, there was a very particular type of artist unemployment that we could receive in, mm-hmm. uh, in France and in, and in Belgium. And I think Germany had just stopped theirs. And um, I called all of my friends together and I said, listen, I've got an opportunity to make something at the Paris Opera Comique. Um, our our one rule is that we must honor and follow and oblige what that particular opera house stands for, meaning that it's for the people and its price tag is of a certain rate, rate mm-hmm. so that anyone and everyone can access it without mm-hmm. nosebleed seats, and um, and that it's a commentary house that has to engage in current dynamics and current events inside of the space. And so I said, okay, we're going to make a show. Let's call it uh, Paris the Matisse, which is what I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's hang out like wet clothes. And um, <laughs> the idea, you know, I mean, I'm always a huge fan of Andre 3000. And at that moment, um, this phrase came across in one of his uh, intro lines to one of his songs and the visual of of the clothesline and of people putting on and taking off and slipping in and out of skins to tell stories is something I've done my entire life. Mm-hmm. And and how wonderful to be able to celebrate that and bring that into the foreground uh, as a st- storytelling mechanism. Mm-hmm. And that piece went around, got bought, um, and that kind of really started it. Wow! So, so when I was did that wiggling be- on the floor? <laughs> <laughs> when did that become the creation of then your own company? I'd say right around that time because everyone had to get paid. I mean, right. at some point it was um, it was great that we were all doing this on our you know artist unemployment and this kind of thing. But then a, then indeed a structure needed to be put in place. This is around oh seven oh eight was when mm-hmm. really we we made the we we mounted the non for profit in France right. and um, yeah yeah. And then mm-hmm. when did you move then the company to New York? Um, I moved home at the end of like eleven mm-hmm. twelve and so. I closed down the French company in fiscal, you know, fiscally closed it down mm-hmm. um, in 12. And then I very much saw that the model in which we could exist in the States felt quite limited under mm-hmm. um, a non-for-profit model only. Mm-hmm. So then I went for the route of fiscal sponsorship instead, which seemed to allow my commercial let's say industrial kind of work exists that wouldn't influence. And actually we're back at this moment right now of, of, um, of what entity is handling all of the, all of the types of performances that we're now doing, but um, fiscal sponsorship seemed like a much more open and uh, yes, a, a more spacious way to create and to also uh, offer stability to our performers and to our, to our collaborators mm-hmm. and to myself. Yeah, I, I'm I'm curious to hear about some of these differences now. I mean, you like, you know, running a, an arts organization in two different countries, I'm sure it's like night and day. Um, what were some of the ways you had to adapt to the differences? I would say I've never met a, a country with more paperwork than France. Um, <laughs> there is a bureaucratic, and I find that in New York State as well. So mm-hmm. there's a similarity there. There's a sisterhood inside mm-hmm. of the bureaucracy. <laughs> and, but the, 
the ability and the transparency, uh, both, both, and I'm really in like the paperwork of it, you know, mm. um, or were quite similar. What I think is just very different is that the systems work differently, that one is based on product driven making and one is based on process making. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And thus the product may move forward or it may not. But mm -hmm. the process is what is primed. Uh, thus then is pay, thus then is remuneration and a uh, quantity of time. So mm -hmm. time, time is, um, is, is, time is differently paid and seen differently through um, a financial lens. So mm -hmm. here, uh, and that's something that I did say we would come home, we did. Um, and something that I do insist that I don't fall into is this American model well, where one is obliged to make a piece a year or make, mm -hmm. make in this um, kind of hamster wheel, mm -hmm. which I feel does sort of kill the natural dream magic making that art is. Mm -hmm. um, so it has kept us perhaps from advancing as quickly as other teams might have, but perhaps not at all. Perhaps it was exactly the way it was supposed to happen because it has allowed us to continue in a longer creative process over years, as opposed mm -hmm. to having to churn out every nine months. And, um, and, and I think also, I think. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The state's model is starting to change and... Um, is acknowledging, I think this is greatly due to COVID, that there are many different making models and they all uh, they all can support success. We just have to change what we mean by success. Mm -hmm. And how many I, dancers are part of the company? So for, it depends on which piece. So it's a pickup um, embarked, situation. embarked is, um, right, I know we've got all these titles in the States yeah. for the different types of things. It's just a company, right? right, right. right? Like <laughs> in, in, the, in Embarked is a quintet. Mm -hmm. um dinner look who's coming to dinner is seven um with composer musicians sometimes with us so eight mm -hmm. um nine even um it's really based on what piece is project, is, yeah. is living at the moment mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I, I think it's it's super interesting to hear you talk about like the um the process of dealing with the bureaucratic sides of things <laughs> and 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 basically how you can get the art made but I'm curious to delve into the actual art itself a little bit more right. like it seems like um you have like this really wide array of background and influences and then you mentioned um that 
when you were quite young as an artist, like feeling a sort of like political pull. So what what ways do all these influences find themselves inside your work? Like how how does that coalesce and make, you know, what, what your kind of choreographic voice is? It can or it can absolutely not. I mean, I'm a storyteller, so mm -hmm. it's it's what I understand needs to be told at that moment. Mm -hmm. um, and they do happen to share themes at times that go down to just the very basic question of why do we choose certain behaviors and how do these behaviors affect the other others with whom which we share our lives right mm -hmm. um and I, I think that is probably our, our core signature or you know what i'm always the thing that i think about that probably drives me the most is always like why do why do i make this choice why do others make this choice um, and what goes behind these thinking systems into making that. Now, that's like such an abstract, you know, like excerpt of, of the thought process and the mm -hmm. making process. But I mean, if I think back to all of the pieces, you know, if I think about Madonna that um, was made for, you know, Festival de Lille and then came uh, for Harlem stage here, uh, I was looking at the, 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 all of these enormous paintings and tableaus of the Virgin Mary but she just had skin that was darker than mine. And why was that something I only discovered in Europe? And then mm -hmm. I wonder what are all of the layers that went into convincing a people to take on a different icon for their spiritual icon, right? Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. but this was just the the questioning of, uh, of, of, of colorocracy in a way mm -hmm. and how that played into, um, you know, the systemic religious space. Um, but was I thinking those thoughts when no, I saw a Virgin Mary on a on a on a on a on a tableau, and she was she was exquisitely a dark chocolate, and mm -hmm. I just wanted I just wanted to dive into her skin, mm -hmm. and take her out of the painting, mm -hmm. um, and uh, wonder what her story would be when she came to life. If I think of you know, if I think of a place of sun, um, where we're experiencing entrapment and opportunities of 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 evolution due to you know oil spills and how do we evolve this was truly through the accident of while we were making um terra firma um a huge spill occurred in in the south of the states and so these questions uh, around visuals that i had seen times and time again as a child through my mother's lens and all the work she did for for in the Cousteau society um and then I just started thinking about well actually how do we take toxins in and how do we either coexist with them turn them into something that we can help or that we can move forward and exist with or we extinguish and we and we perish and mm -hmm. you know and, and 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 change um into how to you know embarked what we're working on right now is such an accident i was in a grocery store and i found a book on an african-american heritage trail in martha's vineyard and i was just so shocked by the book's cover i couldn't imagine that a book so interesting could have a cover so uninteresting and so that's why i actually picked it up <laughs> and um and i could never put it down and so then i just wanted to go and discover where these spaces were that honored uh, freed slaves, that honored the freed people that were that Massachusetts even encouraged to to use our um, capitalist system to to find and fight for their own freedom. 
what an amazing thing that on this island there was an idea of memorialization that that was quite different from others that I was uh, often used to engaging with and looking up at a grand statue of someone who most likely colonized a land or won a war mm -hmm. or something were mm -hmm. these kind of live tributes to past peoples um, and people were they were based in stones sure there are of course some that have uh, beautiful plaques and tell the story of who was here and at what era but the island's tradition was based in pilings of rocks and mm -hmm. so it was something that continued on and I love that that was something that you could participate in in the present tense and continue to build and change just mm -hmm. as it was so naturally and normally in your space and in your environment so it brought back this idea of normalcy again mm -hmm. and I just am absolutely for normalizing art making and expression right um and it's here I was watching memorialization just become normalized right mm -hmm. as an, yeah. in an active tense and and then that brought up the the idea of well, how what is the idea of soil what is the idea of space and territory and who who are the people and how can I celebrate the shoulders upon whom I stand at the same time, maybe break down these systems that actually have trained us to behave in certain ways at the same time through these, mm -hmm. through the stories of who we are now. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm curious when you're creating a work that is um, like so invested in so many complex themes, uh, like how explicitly are you trying to get them across or like when you said that like you saw the Virgin Mary with dark skin and that gave you a feeling, it's like, are you trying to evoke that feeling? Are we trying to um, get the, like the specificity of like, of, um, you know, y this interaction you had at the, the store, you know, finding this book, like what, how, how much or how little are, are we trying to be explicit with the, these ideas or does it just vary from work to work? I'm explicit I think that I'm explicit in how I how I dream up the worlds mm -hmm. um for for an audience member to feel my original creative nugget that's not necessary at all mm -hmm. what's a, a broader takeaway that might end up in a conversation or a dialogue is uh is more interesting to me and what that dialogue is that's private for them mm -hmm. um the the idea that I know that there are visuals that I can bring up that will that will offer question is is what I'm after. Mm -hmm. I wonder. Um, so once you found this book and you read it and you couldn't put it down, what process did you then go through? Take us through reading it. What other research did you do? How did you start to create the idea for Embarked and then really, you know, start to create it and get some dancers in the studio? I mean, I I started. So I guess that's also slightly different for us is that it, um, the studio, all of it is the studio. So the first mm -hmm. thing was, was, um, was, and I, I'm sure this is the interdisciplinary side of all of this, right? Is that visiting the sites mm -hmm. um, was then meeting fishermen, was then working with elders on the island, was then um, touching the different types of sands and clays that, the Wapanog part of the island holds uh, deer and is still a very treasured tourist attraction. Um, and looking at the play on soil and to be soiled and the mm -hmm. positive mm -hmm. negatives and the nature and the natu naturalism of this and, and bringing people together uh, so that I could, to me, celebrate 
all of this through vehicularity. The, the to me, this was about um, land voyage lands, um, and and how we how we use materials to enrobe ourselves and create um so textiles so then i realized mm-hmm. i need, i was i was really talking about the story of textiles um then museums get involved so that i can touch things and then i can mm-hmm. discover things and i can talk with historians and then i can just again get out and swim in the waters of of these special places excuse me and as as it came, as i understood that this needed to be about about voyage then I understood it needed to be about a boat and then I was on Martha's Vineyard with great fishermen captains and and the idea of then bringing them together with the cynic designer who with whom I actually work who actually happens also to be a captain again it's the accident Mm. um so everybody we got together and we started exploring and this is a, and performers are already a part of this because um, we're all working with the same materials mm-hmm. and we're all exploring the same materials. What is a mass? What's the weight of it? How do you move one around? How do you make one cynically? How do you make one that's performatively based? Um, how do we what do the sails look like of which era of what type of boat? And since this piece is one about transformation and then how can those those how can sales then become clothing then become flags so that we Mm. can touch we can touch the macro we can also touch the micro and then we can also touch identity inside of uh of how it represents us Mm -hmm. all of that is in just all kinds of different spaces so it can be you know we we happen to be fortunate to work at the yard um out on martha's vineyard and so this is indoors this is outdoors this is at a ship dock this is you know this is also with our other our great collaborators our team is made up of just so many people with whom we collaborate so also then our you know our costume designer who's testing different types of fabrics and we're seeing how things um uh, respond to wind and to water and to weight and to wear and tear um what works best um and me splashing around with it um, I feel like it was a very solo experience until around 17 or 18 and then no 18 18 mm-hmm. and then um, and then we started having budget where we could start really bringing everybody together to start mm-hmm. looking at what what would it take to make something like this mm-hmm. right it's yeah it's uh, that was I was this is where I wanted to go I'm so curious about it because it's like your you your process is so important to you as an artist and at what point then do you feel like it's appropriate is that just something that you'll like instinctively know like at what point do you are you just like okay I'm ready to move forward with like um the more practical components a budget and you know maybe like nailing down the a theater or which are we doing it outdoors are we doing it indoors are we doing both you know that sort of thing like when do you feel like you're in the right space to move into that next phase yes i think it is um it's in function is it a commission is it right Mm -hmm. i mean the american system Mm -hmm. works on commission base and that's how what what drives all the finances so i think what was we were really lucky is that we were coming off the cusp of welcome which had Mm -hmm. already been so successful and was touring so much that Mm -hmm. then the the net the i had the liberty 
to say that I was really interested in doing this. And then the partners just started jumping at it. Mm-hmm. And then once the collaborative partner base was together, and then of course we were also moving in momentum as a, as a, as an organization. So one thing immediately allows the other to occur, right? The snowball just gets bigger because there's infrastructure that become that is, that is in place. There's general ops that are now in place, which just allows me to dream in a more fuller way. And, mm-hmm. and that, that does, that does happen quite quickly in the sense that as soon as partners are behind you and believe in your, your idea, then, well, then we can really be serious and we can say, well, this is what I really want to do. Mm-hmm. And then you feel the support and then the this, this space is there to dream, right? It's, right? it's all like what supports the dream making. It can be from the moment that the idea pops into the head, right? It can be mm-hmm. like, okay, I knew with, 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 I knew immediately with, um, I think upon touching an Afghan that was 400 years old, um, that a freed person uh, had had knitted that, yeah, okay, this needed to be about textile. Okay, so mm-hmm. I was on the phone pretty much the next day with Shane, and uh, Shane Ballard, with who I love to work, and um, it was okay. So how do we transform cloth? Like, what is mm-hmm. that story? And what is that practice? Because it's already inherent inside of African American heritage, as in all heritages, actually. Mm-hmm. But from the point, the perspective and the point of view that I was really loving. You know, Embark sounds like such an incredible pro- project, and that you've had this beautiful process. So it must be amazing to to gift it to audiences at BAM. Can you just tell us when the performances are, and maybe how we could, if we're in the New York area, how we might be able to buy a ticket? Absolutely. So indeed, the BAM Next Wave Festival is one of the most prestigious festivals of the New York City area and one Mm -hmm. that celebrates contemporary culture of domestic, national and international artists. And it is a great honor to be participating in this. BAM Next Wave for our show exists November 1 through 5. We Mm -hmm. are in the Fisher space which is on Ashland. Um, And you can go to bam.org and uh, look up under Embarked and you'll find tickets. And we're every night for those five nights. Well, I'm in town. So I think (laughs) I will be popping over, Stephanie. This was just lovely. And we hope you have a great uh, rehearsal day. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidesrætter alle de der podcast og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lytte til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel.